Welcome to Smith Weekly Discussions, an occasional program for our members of Smith Weekly Research. Please note this program is a private discussion and everything contained herein is for entertainment and educational purposes only. With that, we hope you're in a comfortable position along with your favorite beverage to enjoy the discussion. We remind our audience to examine our show notes attached to each of our shows to better understand how our program functions. Before we get into our discussion, we want to say thanks for questions coming from our audience at Smith Weekly, including Michael R., Thomas N., Jared W., and at Prospector Jeff. We have a new guest of a returning company with us today. Mr. John Cash is on the program. John is the Chief Executive Officer of Your Energy, a U.S.-focused uranium production-ready company with its Lost Creek and Shirley Basin in-situ recovery projects in Wyoming, United States. Your Energy is a uranium portfolio holding at Smith Weekly Research. The company is listed on the New York Stock Exchange under the symbol URG and also on the Toronto Stock Exchange under the symbol URE. Mr. Cash, welcome to Smith Weekly Discussions. Hey, it's uh, great to join with you. Uh, it's been uh, a few months since we last spoke uh, with uh, Your Energy and you, so it's good to catch up again and uh, talk about the market and talk about our company. Absolutely, John. Good to have you on and first time on the program. Congratulations on your new CEO role at the company. But first for the audience, uh, how about you just give us a bit on your background and experience in this tricky uranium business? I'm an old timer in the industry. Uh, I hate to say that, but uh, it's turning out to be true. Uh, it's really the only commodity I've ever worked in my entire career. I uh, started back in 1994 while I was still in college. Uh, during that time, I worked as a contract geologist for two separate majors. Uh, doing uh, exploration work in the mid-continent of the U.S., so looking for uh, copper-gold uranium deposits, uh, chasing the Olympic Dam model. And after that, uh, worked for BHP for a while, uh, doing similar work. Moved on to work out at Smith Ranch here in Wyoming, uh, doing exploration geology, uh, followed by regulatory affairs. Uh, ultimately, uh, Cameco bought out that project, worked for them for a number of years, uh, doing EHS, regulatory affairs, permitting, uh, but also uh, got involved with operations over at their Crow Butte facility. Then in 2007, uh, got a call from Your Energy, made the jump over here, and have been with uh, this company ever since. And it, it's been fantastic, great company to be with, and have been, enjoyed it immensely. With Your Energy, I've done regulatory affairs, uh, did the permitting for Lost Creek, and also for Shirley Basin. I've uh, been heavily involved in that regard. A lot of lobbying in DC, uh, working on the Section 232, uh, have kept my finger on the pulse of production uh, and uh, been involved in pretty much every aspect uh, of the company. So it's a great time to fill the position of CEO with a great company. The wind is at our backs right now with the uh, rising price and, and just exciting times. And uh, Looking forward to see what's going to happen over the next year, and I think great things are ahead of us. John, I, I like a lot of your comments, and uh, just for the audience, you're a, a very key person at the company and always have been, and uh, you know, I think folks should be very happy to have you on board here as Jeff steps away. And I think you're a guy that generally a couple of years ago, a lot of people didn't pay much attention to, but you've been in the background for a long time, and you're a key person, so I think that's good to point out. And how about Wyoming? Tell us about Wyoming. Obviously, you must like it there. Give us your thoughts on Wyoming. No, it's a great state to live in, and it's a great place to work in. One of the big advantages uh, to working in Wyoming is a few years ago, 
the state took over for the NRC as the agreement state. And so now the uh, when you do any licensing action for nuclear material, we don't have to go through the federal process with the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, which is extremely time consuming and extremely expensive. Instead, we're able to work directly with the state of Wyoming through their land quality division. Then they have a subdivision beneath them called the Uranium Recovery Program that has jurisdiction over nuclear material. So for Lost Creek, uh, for example, we licensed it through the NRC. Uh, the fees for licensing that were on the order of about $3.3 million. But Shirley Basin, when we licensed it, we held off on licensing so we could do it through the state of Wyoming. And uh, the cost there was really only about $300,000-$400,000. Big difference in uh, the cost. And I would have to say that the quality of staff here at the state of Wyoming LQD is fantastic. Uh, in fact, maybe in, in many cases better than for the NRC. Uh, the state's done a great job of attracting some really good talent hydrologists, radiation safety people, they really know their stuff. And they know the state, they know the projects. And you know, one of the other nice components of that is when we have an issue, when we need to talk about something, uh, we need to figure something out, we don't have to fly to DC to have a conversation. We literally just jump in the truck, drive down to Cheyenne in a couple of hours, we're across the desk and we can have a meaningful face-to-face uh, -face conversation. So it's a lot more convenient it's a lot easier to work with, it's a lot cheaper, and just so much more effective. Um, but you know, beyond that, the state of Wyoming, we are a mining state, oil and gas mining. That's where the income uh, fills the tax coffers for the, the state. The state knows that. And pretty much everybody in this state works in the resource recovery industry, oil and gas and mining. So we, we are familiar with mining here in the state, uh, the state officials, are familiar, the regulators are familiar. It, it's what we do here. It, it's not out of the ordinary. And uh, because of that, there's tremendous support in the state of Wyoming for all natural resources recovery. We do it right. Uh, we have great regulators, great regulations, uh, and we do it right because we live here too. And uh, we wanna keep the state clean, keep it well managed. And uh, so it's a great place for our kids to grow up. So. Fantastic place to be, and we're really glad to be operating here. Certainly is an exceptional state for a lot of reasons, and I won't go into too many of those, but it definitely is one of those, my favorite states in the U.S., if you look at all the states. And I think also a lot of the states um, who don't participate in natural resource independence initiatives and energy independence should be thankful that they have a state like Wyoming that's willing to exploit its natural resources for the better of the country. And so I think there should be a lot of thankful states out there for the support that Wyoming provides to the rest of the domestic U.S. Well, John, you've worked with Jeff Clinton for quite a long time, and he has done an exceptional job of keeping this company in a good position within the U.S. uranium market. What is your take on Jeff and how important has he been for the company? Oh, you know, with Jeff's retirement, he's left the company in fantastic shape. And I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit later, but uh, the cash position is great. Uh, he was able to do that with absolutely minimal dilution to the shareholders. Um, he does a, he's done a great job on financings when we need to be you know to do that. He's kept the warrants down to next to nothing, and you know he just positioned us extremely well financially and in the market. I think um, through his leadership, we are recognized as one of the uh, technological leaders in the industry. 
And I think we're also recognized as having some of the best quality assets in the industry. One of the very, very few companies that were successful in uh, getting up the permits ready for the mine at Lost Creek, at uh, Shirley Basin, but getting up to production and in, in a profitable way. Really, I'm not sure that there's anybody else globally that can say that. So I think we're recognized as the leader and it's because of Jeff's leadership. He's brought us along in that regard and uh, we're gonna miss him sorely. Uh, I still talk to him every day. He's gonna continue on with the company through the AGM, which is June 2nd. And so I talk to him frequently and uh, hopefully he doesn't mind if I call him from time to time after that and bend his ear a little bit and get some advice and get some insights. But no, I, it, we're, we're gonna miss him sorely. Um, he's been uh, a fixture in the company for I think about 18 years. You know, he was one of the founders early, early on. We wish him the very best going forward. I know we both don't like to see Jeff leave and retire at this stage in the market, of course, but uh, we know he'll keep in tune with what's going on. And my suspicion is that even after June, he'll be pretty well tuned in here, I suspect. Well, let's move to the market, John. Over the past four and a half months or so, notable events have taken place that were not in most of the models. What has been the most important idea that you've taken away from this market during this last four and a half months? Wow, you know, th there is so much going on. Um, I think, you know, what started moving the market was the green energy aspect, but more recently, SPUT and the Russian invasion of Ukraine really have been driving the market. It's ironic, you know, we were one of the companies that filed the Section 232 petition and, and really uh, kind of predicted what's happening today. And Jeff was heavily involved with that. And, uh, you know, in preparation for this call, I, I went back and I watched the last interview that you did with Jeff and um, wow, it, it almost prophetic. Uh, the conversation that you and Jeff had uh, 11 months ago, kind of predicting what was going to happen. Uh, I don't think anybody predicted it was going to happen this quickly. Uh, but, you know, one of the lessons learned and maybe it's something that we already had some insight into is how tenuous the uh, nuclear fuel market really is the supply uh, in particular uh, because we have become so reliant on Russia and Kazakhstan and uh, you know through one significant event like this things begin to come apart and uh, you know while there are no sanctions yet on that Russian material coming into the U.S. there is so much pending legislation to cut that off uh, from the U.S. side and counter to that, and you know, tit for tat sanctions, Russia is looking at doing something similar. And this war of words between the U.S. and Russia, uh, I think there's a, a real possibility, a real danger that that supply is going to get cut off uh, from one side or the other. So, you know, I think what we've learned uh, is you have to be ready. And we've really positioned this company to be ready at Lost Creek and also through the permitting at Shirley Basin. Uh, Lost Creek, we're able to bring it into production very quickly at a very low cost. Uh, probably, uh, you know, within six to seven months, we can have it up and running at a million pound a year run rate uh, at a very low cost. So I think we've positioned the company really, really well in that regard. I'm not sure that there's anybody else uh, that can say that. And then bringing Shirley Basin on, that would take a little bit longer, of course, but not that much longer. Uh, you know, 15 to 18 months to, to get it up to a million pound a year run rate. I know that sounds pretty quick to a lot of people, especially people who are familiar with conventional mining, but in the in situ world, the, the capital expenditures are pretty minimal. 
and uh, being able to build out a facility, we can do it pretty quick. Um, you know, we demonstrated that at Lost Creek when we built it out in about nine months. Uh, so it can be done. We've done it before and uh, looking for the opportunity to do it again. But, you know, back to your question of what we've learned is things happen really quick. You've got to be ready. You've got to be ready to feed into those contracts. And I, I think we're there. We're, we're ready to do that. John, well, we're going to hold you against those dates that you gave. And uh, right. I think you'll meet those milestones with uh, maybe some room to spare. But, uh, you know, some of the peers, maybe not so much. Uh, we'll see. I mean, there's certainly a few good peers out there, but there's also some that, uh, you know, there's a big question mark with operatorship. So we'll see how that goes. Back to something you said here, the general ignorance that has occurred with respect to U.S. domestic uranium and fuel cycle services. You know, you and Jeff worked hard along with certain other parties in the U.S. market to get the government to act on matters that were in interest of energy independence and impacting national security. This was done with Section 232 petition, the uranium reserve idea, etc. Now, at least to the wiser folks in government, the Ukraine-Russia war has delivered a swift slap on the face to prove the point that was being discussed years ago, as you pointed out. What are your thoughts on these issues outside of the free markets solving the issues? Do you think the government will finally act towards energy independence with respect to uranium in the U.S.? Great question. I think early on uh, in the after the invasion uh, into Ukraine, I think the uh, U.S. government and probably even the U.S. utilities, it was a bit of a deer in the headlights. Uh, everyone was somewhat frozen. You know, is this real? Is, you know, what's happening? You know, what what are the implications? And trying to figure things out. So, but I think we're beginning to move beyond that now, and people are beginning to recognize, yeah, this is real. <laughs> We've got to find solutions whether those be government solutions or private sector solutions or likely a combination thereof. So we're, we're moving into that phase. There's a lot of legislation right now uh, moving forward uh, that uh, really could help us out in a fairly dramatic way. But I'll, I'll go back first to a, a couple of uh, bills that have already been passed and then kind of work my way up through what's going on right now. So in the, the last days of the Trump administration, uh, the uranium reserve was passed in a bipartisan way uh, in, in Congress. It was signed into law by President Trump. Uh, that uh, allocated uh, essentially $75 million of funding to help bolster domestic production uh, on the very front end of the fuel cycle, so mining and conversion. The Department of Energy was charged with setting up that program and making the purchases of material. Unfortunately, they have been dragging their feet. Uh, to get that done. Uh, you know, that's been a long time ago now since that, that bill was passed and put into law. We keep hearing from them. Uh, they're doing this. They're going to get it done. Be patient with them. Um, we, we've heard from them that soon, and I don't know what soon means in government parlance, but soon that they'll be coming out for RFPs to make purchases. Don't know what that means. Um, maybe that means three months from now. Maybe that means a year from now. Uh, but they continue to tell us they are moving forward on that. So we are hoping to be able to be a benefactor of that program and be able to sell our domestically produced pounds into that. We do have 284,000 pounds of domestically produced material. The vast majority of that we produced ourselves at Lost Creek. So we've been hanging on to that inventory, not selling it into the spot market, even though spots pushing $64 a pound. 
uh, we're hanging on to that because we believe we're probably one of maybe only two companies that have any inventory or the ability to sell to the, the government. So we think we can maybe get a small premium uh, by selling uh, into that program. Uh, you know, at about the same time, uh, the Infrastructure Act passed as well, and it has a $6 billion allocation of funds in it. The main purpose of that bill is to provide support for the existing nuclear fleet to keep them up and running, to prevent any more retirements. Uh, that was really passed not for national security reasons or because of any threat from Russia. Uh, that was passed for green energy uh, because people said, hey, we, we can't allow these reactors to continue to shut down and expect to reach our carbon-free or carbon-neutral goals uh, going forward. So. The nice thing about that bill is a big chunk of money, $6 billion, uh, but there's a preference on the dispersal of those funds. Uh, the preference is to companies that buy domestic supplies, for example, the domestic uranium that we produce. So that program is also being stood up. Uh, the Department of Energy is in charge of it. They've gone out for a request for information. Uh, companies have responded to that. And uh, again, they, uh, we don't have any hard and fast deadlines of when that program will be instituted, but it is up and coming. And uh, we hope that uh, the utilities will say, hey, look, in order for us to really take advantage of that, we've got to be uh, buying domestic material. And so we, we hope to be able to benefit from that going forward. But in addition to that, post-invasion uh, of Ukraine, there are a number of bills that are out there, two of which are being advanced by Senator Barrasso uh, from Wyoming. Uh, one is the, you know, the Say No to Russia uh, bill, uh, essentially is going to uh, cut off supplies from Russia. Uh, that would give us a leg up in the U.S. to be able to produce and sell pounds uh, to utilities if we're not competing with the Russians. Um, there's also another bill that's being advanced by Senator Manchin. So notice you've got a, a very conservative Republican from Wyoming uh, advancing the nuclear industry. And on, on the other side, you've got a Democrat from West Virginia also uh, passing or uh, pushing legislation uh, for the uh, advantage of the industry. So this is a bipartisan effort going forward. But uh, Senator Manchin's bill, again, is really directed at uh, growing the U.S. presence globally in the nuclear industry from the top to bottom. One of the provisions in that is uh, to revise the USEC Act, and it would essentially cut off supplies from Russia, not immediately, but in the near term. And again, that would give us a big leg up if we can take those pounds out of the market. Those pounds from Russia, I mean, very importantly, have to comment here, they are being produced by the Russian government. That is not a private company producing those pounds. They, those are being directly controlled and produced uh, by the Kremlin. And the income that they are making from those pounds that they sell into the US and globally, they go straight into the war chest. And uh, everyone is, is saying, hey, look, this can't continue. We can't continue to support Russia especially when we know those funds can be used for their war effort against Ukraine. We're, we're not gonna be a part of that. And so I think everyone, including the utilities, are beginning to say, yeah, we've gotta move away from that. We can't continue to support these guys. So a lot of support out there coming from the US government, but 
we are not going to sit here and wait for help from the U.S. government. I think that's a dangerous position to be in. Uh, anybody who is uh, hanging their hat on the U.S. government uh, to help them out, is uh, that's a bad business policy. So what we're doing is we're out aggressively pursuing contracting. Uh, we're going to try to solve this through the markets, not through help from the, the government. And uh, while we're out there aggressively pursuing contracts for the long term, we're also trying to drive down our cost. Uh, that's a very important aspect of what our company has done in the past. And it's going to continue to be a very important aspect of what we do going forward. We're not going to rest on our laurels. Uh, we're going to go out, get those contracts. We're going to drive that price down uh, so we're more and more competitive in the global market. John, I appreciate the comments there. I think, uh, you know, when someone makes the comment, I'm from the government and I'm here to help, that's not the best uh, proposition that you should rely upon. You know, it makes sense that at this point that you consider that there may be some requirements and provisions in some of these solicitations, that there's a Buy American Act or a partial Buy American Act, which obviously, you know, extends to other industries in domestic U.S., um, and that there should be some of those requirements and maybe some of those goals should be discussed with private enterprise if they are to seek government support for certain things, that that be a requirement in that support. And I think you made a good point there as well with respect to state-sponsored production coming out of uh, places like Russia. You know, it, it saddens me to see the private Russian citizen get penalized in all of this when they're trying to put meat and potatoes on the table and that they have no association. It's sad to see some of the initiatives get targeted, essentially discrimination, um, towards the private citizen, which is never good to see um, that happen across, you know, casting a blanket, if you will, instead of selectively targeting who needs to be penalized and leaving the rest of the folks out of it. But uh, certainly good points you brought up there. Well, let's get into the, uh, the company here. How about just a quick update on the capital structure, where we are, John, with cash, no pun intended, uh, shares outstanding and debt at this point. Yeah, you bet. So we're, we're in a very good, strong cash position right now. If you take a look at uh, the year-end report, uh, and it contains a cash position up through the third of last month, we had $44.7 million in cash in the bank. Importantly, we've also got that inventory that I referred to earlier, 284,000 pounds at the conversion facility in Metropolis, Illinois. Uh, we've been holding on to that, waiting for higher prices and or potentially uh, maybe even higher prices than spot that we can enjoy from the U.S. government program. Uh, but we've got that ready to sell, and we can sell that into the market at any point and convert that to cash in about a week. So uh, given uh, current spot prices, that's pushing $18 million in valuation. So you know, between the two, we've uh, got a great cash position uh, going forward. We have, as far as the share structure, we have about 217 million shares uh, outstanding. We do have a little bit of debt uh, with the state of Wyoming. Uh, and we talked earlier about the state of Wyoming and what a great place it is to work. But, uh, you know, when we were ramping up Lost Creek, uh, we were able to get a loan through the state of Wyoming. And wow, what an incredible interest rate, five and three quarters. And so we're, we've been working on getting that paid down. We still have 12.4 million uh, to pay on that. They've actually, when the market was so depressed, they gave us a holiday and said, hey, you don't need to continue to make payments uh, on the principal, just uh, pay on the interest. And so we've been enjoying that. Uh, but uh, the full payments are going to be resuming and we'll have that paid off, uh, scheduled to be, be paid off 
by uh, October of 2024. So uh, it's been great to work with the state of Wyoming and in many respects, including the financing that they've been able to give us. So we're in great shape. Um, going forward, that cash position is going to go a very long ways toward allowing us to ramp up at both Lost Creek and at Shirley Basin. At Lost Creek, the, uh, the capital needs to get the well field up and running. We're looking at about $13 million uh, to get that up to a million pound a year run rate. And at Shirley Basin, we're looking at about $30 million to get that ramped up. So, you know, you add those two and throw in the debt, uh, you know, we have just about what we need uh, to do all of that. I think if we go out and do any raises in the future, our needs are small. So our raises should also be uh, relatively small. Uh, you know, as far as other sources of income, we do have uh, some options uh, that will be expiring at the end of this year. They're in the money. We've also got some warrants that are outstanding. They're, they're in the money and we expect the, a little bit of income from both of those sources. It's not terribly material, but it will help uh, round things out for us uh, going forward. In the past, uh, 2021, we have an ATM facility that we drew down on some. Going forward, uh, we might continue to draw down on that some uh, to keep our cash position uh, really strong. But again, our, our needs are, are minor. We're pretty well cashed up, uh, even getting into production. So. We're not looking to do any big raises at this point. Uh, and, you know, going back to Jeff, uh, to him, dilution was a dirty word and it's going to continue to be a dirty word. And so we're going to try to protect our existing shareholders as best we can, minimize that dilution. That's one of the areas where we really stand apart from uh, our competitors globally and domestically is in, in the realm of dilution. We, are, we run a really tight ship in that regard and uh, we're going to continue to do that. So yeah, cash position is great. I uh, think we're well positioned going forward. Appreciate that. The company is in a good position. The debt with Wyoming, pretty friendly, I would say, as compared to uh, some of the debt structures we've seen amongst peers in this sector over the last, say, five years. <laughs> yeah, we've, yeah. we've seen quite some uh, fantastic deals done on the debt holder side with some companies. Um, anything you can speak to uh, before we get to my next uh, question here, but uh, anything you can speak with respect to the major shareholders you want to point out? You know, right now, uh, we don't believe that there are any shareholders that have greater than 5%. Uh, we'll get better insight into that as we approach the AGM on June 2nd. Uh, but right now, uh, we don't think we have anybody over 5%. Of course, Jeff continues to be one of our, our larger shareholders. And uh, hopefully he'll continue to hold those shares. Uh, I'm optimistic that he will. And our executive team, we also, all of us hold shares. So uh, we're in it. We, uh, uh, the interest of the shareholder is our interest as well. So maybe I'll have a little more insight into any more uh, larger shareholders as we approach the AGM. But at this point, we're not aware of anybody that's got more than 5%. Well, you know, compared to peers, of course, as you mentioned, you guys can get into production and get back up and running within a fairly short period of time uh, with a modest capex. You know, John, with uranium where it is, uh, we see, you know, spot and term prices consistently increasing here. Any idea uh, you can give our audience and maybe some investors in the company that are listening, any idea as to when you guys are going to pull the trigger on a restart? So, yeah, we are always reluctant to provide a specific number. We don't want to give that information to our competitors. So we've, we've always shied away from that. 
But what, what I can comment on is historically and going forward, we have always wanted to sell into long-term contracts. Uh, we uh, are hesitant to sell pounds into the spot unless it's out of our inventory. Uh, we don't want to put that money, that precious capital, into the mine and consume that capital uh, to sell into the spot because that spot price can evaporate very quickly and we recognize that. So we have always sold into long-term contracts and that's what we want to do going forward. We're in conversations with utilities now. Um, none of those have borne any fruit yet, but again, I think the utilities are really beginning to appreciate that they've got to have some domestic supply. They've got to diversify out of Russia, out of Kazakhstan, uh, into the Western markets. We are recognized as one of the value companies. We've proven in the past that we can produce and produce at low cost. Uh, and I think we're a bit unique in that uh, we can say that. And so they are, they're reaching out to us. We're having calls, we're having meetings. Uh, you know, the long-term price isn't quite there yet, but as you said, it is climbing steadily. It tends to lag the spot price. That's not unusual. That's pretty typical, but it's getting there. You know, ultimately we may begin to see a bifurcated market uh, where you have prices for uh, Russia, Kazakh material, and you may have a different price for Western world, you know, Australian, Canadian, US pounds uh, because of the security of that supply. Haven't seen any numbers to that effect yet that would support that, but it sure wouldn't surprise me if we see that going forward. So we're gonna continue those discussions. Uh, one of my main goals for this year is if uh, the price gets high enough is to be able to sign up those contracts, get that locked in for the long term, uh, so we can enjoy the benefits of that going forward. And I would point out too, uh, just the final comment there, we've got a lot, a lot of long suffering shareholders who've been with us uh, since Fukushima, we're gonna reward those shareholders. We're not gonna sell our pounds for break even. We're gonna make money on them. Uh, and uh, we think we've got some opportunities to do that going forward. John, great points. Production mix that you have, uh, Shirley Basin coming later, et cetera, I think you guys have some options. And I think the options extend just beyond, um, not just you know term contracting, which is important to backstop that production mix, but also, opportunistic uh, sales into the spot market would probably make sense because you guys aren't substantial given the amount of buyers out there at this point and the support for it that you know smaller quantity movements in the spot market probably can make sense but absolutely i agree that you will want to gear things towards the long-term mix and get that established but i think the way you guys are approaching this is i think you have a lot of flexibility john and how you might initiate some of that strategy as things continue to climb here with respect to you know longer term strategy for the company, you tell us what you would like to accomplish with this company, say over the next five years, and do you see a sustaining business? You know, Shirley Basin comes online here, growth plans, et cetera. Do you see the company being sold, or do you see it continuing to operate independently, maybe being merged with another company? You know, what are your thoughts over the next five years on as this market moves, as the cycle progresses on the uptrend? You know, what do you see more or less as an end result here that folks can potentially expect over this cycle? Sure. A lot of times uh, we only talk about our two flagship properties, uh, Lost Creek and Shirley Basin. But uh, let me focus on Lost Creek just for a moment. That is a big project. And the resource that we have in the ground there, it's a, it's a really nice resource. 
it's proven itself, uh, you know, time and time again, fantastic recoveries. But we've got a total of 35,000 acres there. We've carried out exploration proje projects several times. And every time we've done that, we've been able to add significant pounds to the resource. And we think we've got tremendous potential to continue to add pounds to that resource going forward. So I think that's a, an important part of the story that we, we may not always comment on as much as we, we should. So uh, we think we can grow the company organically uh, right in the immediate proximity of the existing licensed area and plant and be able to feed directly in through, through pipelines. You know, beyond that, we've got other projects out there that uh, we don't talk about much. Lost Soldier is still out there. It needs uh, considerable additional work before we uh, begin licensing that one. So, but that one's out there. It's got uh, over 3,000 drill holes in it. Uh, so we have a tremendous amount of data to work with there. And it's a, it's a real resource. We've got other projects out there that are not connected to Lost Creek, uh, like North Hatzel, uh, that we are very optimistic about. We believe that it's got some resource on uh, that we need to go out and chase at some point. So we think we've got some opportunity for organic growth, especially in the immediate area around Lost Creek. But moving beyond organic, moving into M&A, uh, you know, getting larger is, is probably a good thing for us. It uh, gives us a little more optionality, uh, maybe a re-rating in the markets. So, and it would help drive down production costs as well if, if we can, uh, divide that production cost against uh, you know two or three or four uh, operating facilities instead of just one or two. So we are interested in M&A. Uh, we are always uh, looking for opportunities in that regard, but we're not gonna get married to just anybody. Uh, as you know, and as, as our shareholders know, we are a mining company, a proven mining company. Uh, there are a few other mining companies out there that we believe are worth looking at and talking to, but there are also a lot of companies out there that are not worth talking to, that are essentially just uh, marketing companies. Uh, uh, they're pumping up their stock, but with little or no uh, capacity to fulfill the promises they're making. Since we're experienced miners, our entire team, we know the difference between the two. Uh, no one is going to pull the wool over our eyes and so if we're going to go out and get married, it's going to have to be somebody that looks a lot like us, a company that has legitimate resources and a legitimate shot at putting those resources into production within a reasonable amount of time and at a reasonable cost. We're not interested in talking to a company that's got resources that are going to cost $100 a pound to put in the can. Uh, that's inconsistent with who we are. So, yeah, we're, we're looking. We're always interested in talking to people. You know, we go on dates, we check out other companies, uh, but uh, we've been very reluctant to uh, consummate any deals. Uh, you know, in the history of the company, there's not many deals we've jumped into. And I think the board of directors and Jeff have done a fantastic job of vetting those in the past. Uh, you know, really, uh, the, the most recent acquisition is Shirley Basin, and that's turned out to be a really good acquisition. And we're going to be able to to bring that into production at a very low cost, low capex as well, uh, as, as well as operating costs. So that was a great acquisition. That's what we're looking for. Those quality projects that are consistent with our objectives 
consistent with the history of the company going forward. We think that's only fair to the shareholders. Uh, we don't want to change how we approach the market. So, yeah, that's kind of our strategy, uh, Andrew, and how we would like to go forward. Uh, we would like to get bigger, but not at any cost. It's going to have to be the right project. John, well said, and I think you cut a lot of folks out right there and put it in perspective for folks who are out there dreaming, thinking that, uh, you know, things are much better than they look. I appreciate that comment. Not many folks make that comment. Just a few follow-ups on that. Do you see that the your energy strategy remain in the U.S.? Do you believe that the U.S. is the key place to stay? Uh, would you guys consider some type of a arrangement that uh, is outside the U.S.? Maybe you just speak to that for a moment. We would certainly consider uh, M&A outside the U.S. However, it has to be in a mining-friendly jurisdiction. It also has to be in a safe jurisdiction. Uh, I'm not going to send my employees to a country where I can't assure that they're going to be safe. So got those two criteria. But, you know, very importantly, there's got to be that synergy. There's got to be a, a real reason to do M&A outside the country. And if that synergy exists, then, yeah, absolutely. But if it doesn't, then no, we're not interested. And let me give an example of that. We have an outstanding regulatory affairs team. We have an outstanding production team, legal team, but they are U.S. centric. We understand the U.S. So I'll, I'll just use as an example, Australia. If we were going to do M&A in Australia, it's a different legal system. It's a different regulatory system. Mining techniques are different. Even though it's in situ, it is a bit different. So we would have to evaluate, is it worth the M&A? Is there a true synergy there? Or if we make that acquisition, are we still going to end up with two subsidiaries that are fully staffed with no synergies between each other? Um, and the only employee that's shared is the CEO. That takes the, the shine off the penny. I'm not saying that you still couldn't come up with a good deal that uh, makes sense for the company, but that takes a lot of shine off the penny. So. There's got to be legitimate synergy, a, a real reason, a real quality asset in a safe jurisdiction. So to answer your question, yeah, we'll look elsewhere, but you have all those caveats that you have to throw on before we're going to make an affirmative decision uh, to proceed with M&A. Well said. It certainly narrows down things significantly. And even in the U.S., John, as you and I can talk, we can weed through quite a few pretty quickly outside of talking majors, which uh, there's not too many of those right now. But I suspect uh, majors will uh, be a different face um, as this market heats up. Back to uh, talk just briefly expiration. When do you think expiration, some expiration program will slot in? Do you see that that's essentially after Lost Creek is brought back online? When do you see that you guys will go out there and do a little bit of work with the drill bit? So we haven't done any exploration for a few years. Again, the reasoning behind that is uh, capital is precious. Dilution is a dirty word. And uh, we've already got a great resource in the ground. We've got many, well over 10 years of production. You know, at Lost Creek, our measured and indicated resource is 11.9 million pounds. And we've got another 6.6 .6 million pounds of inferred. That's a lot of years of production at a million pounds a year uh, run rate. So we didn't feel like the market would reward us for growing that anymore. It's not going to help our NPV to bring more pounds in uh, when you've already got, you know, 17, 18 years of production you know, resource in the ground. So because of that, because of the desire to preserve capital, because we've got great resources in the ground, we've decided not to do exploration. However, 
when we get long-term contracts signed up and we begin to chew away at those resources, produce them, we want to replace them. And that's the point where we're going to reverse that decision and say it's time to go out and explore in the immediate area of Lost Creek, replace those pounds that we're producing. So yeah, that's contracting is really the point where we're going to change our strategy and go back out, get the rigs out there and start exploring again and bring those pounds back in. Makes sense. Absolutely. Miners consume their own balance sheet once you get to that point. So obviously you need to find ways to supplement that balance sheet. So certainly a, a great strategy there. And obviously with cash flows coming out of uh, Lost Creek initially, I think that makes sense to uh, start looking at that. Well, John, let's leave it there. I just want to wrap up here uh, for potential investors who are on the sidelines listening. Market cap of your energy stands at about 408 million U.S. dollars. What would you say to them about taking a stake in the company at current levels? I think it's a great time to be jumping into the uranium space. Uh, there are so many factors out there, catalysts that are coming to fruition and that potentially could come in, into view uh, that everyone should be considering the uranium industry. Uh, you know, there are, very briefly, there are three things out there that are really driving things. First of all is green energy regardless of the geopolitics and what happens there, the nuclear build-out globally is expanding rapidly. China, for example, has announced plans for 115 new reactors in the next 10 years. England, France, Turkey, uh, Finland, even the US, there are reactor builds uh, ongoing, and, and South Korea, other countries as well. And it's all because of green energy. So from that aspect alone, I think, nuclear has a very bright future. And then you throw in the geopolitics, you throw in uh, the spot, the physical, or uh, spot physical uranium trust, the pressure it's putting on the market. Uh, there, I think there's a lot of potential in the short term uh, to increase the value of the market, but specifically about your energy. Why should you invest in your energy? We are a proven entity. Lost Creek is a real project. We have proven production. We've produced 2.7 million pounds at a very low cost. Uh, we've got a great staff. We are ready to ramp up. We're well financed and ready to go. So real company, real pounds, real production potential going forward. So would love to have more shareholders uh, come along with us for the ride. Check us out. Plus, you got the CEO actually in the facility. Yeah, yeah that's exactly <laughs> right. I am boots on the ground. I'm, I'm here in Wyoming. Um, I know that facility uh, extremely well, like the back of my hand. Absolutely. Kept it polished. Well, John, how about uh, best way for investors to reach out to the company? Take a look at our website, www.ur-energy.com. We have a lot of great information on that website. In fact, it's a relatively new website. So if you haven't been there for a while, please go check that out. Uh, but if you want to reach out to me directly, uh, I keep an open line. I'm very easy to catch. Uh, email at uh, john, J-O-H-N dot cash, C-A-S-H at ur-energy.com. Uh, or you can catch me on my cell, 307-267-7003. John, appreciate it. Thanks for taking the time and keep up the progress at U-Energy. All right. Thanks a lot, Andrew. It's great to catch up with you.